Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshort. I'm Tom Askell. Hey, thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trowel today. Um, this is an exciting week for us down here in Cape Coral, Florida, because we have our Founders Conference coming up later this week on the law and the gospel. And we have Tom, you're speaking, I'm speaking, Jim Renahan is speaking, and Jeff Johnson is speaking. We're going to be dealing with law, gospel, and That's all right. kinds of relationships. In addition to having the premiere for the long-anticipated Synodoc, by what standard? God's world, God's rules. And so that's on Friday night. We'll be watching that, and we'll have a little discussion afterwards to be able to answer questions that arise from that, mm-hmm. and also hopefully to announce what's coming uh, in the future after this documentary. We've been talking about that a little bit, too. Yeah, you know, as we've prepared for this film and been discussing it with a number of folks, having people look at it, um, even in the conferences we've recently done on issues of justice and uh, the gospel, things Mm -hmm. like that. We've discovered this film, it it seems, is opening up people's eyes to see, okay, there's an ideology out there, there's a danger, we need to double down on scripture, make sure we see what's going on. But... um, you know, a film can only be so long. And, right. so, <laughs> and this one has been way too long. We keep cutting it, shrink, keep cutting it. it. But it's been clear that we, we, there's a number, a host of issues that we need to double down on and consider in light of God's word. And so we hope to have another project coming where we can really get into the nuts and bolts. Yeah, I'm excited about this. It's not fully formed yet. We don't have it all scripted, but uh, already this is going to be a great tool. I mean, the, the film itself I think it's going to be that we've watched now what the second cut of it and mm-hmm. um, God has helped us to, I think, shine light on things. Even in the production of it, we've seen people responding in ways that indicate, okay, uh, what we're doing here is legitimate and is important and is needed. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. I think it's furthering the conversation, which we want to continue to have with brothers and sisters we disagree with. But it also has indicated to us, man, we need more resources. We've had folks contact us saying, are you going to be doing something after this? We want to show this to our church. We're beginning to teach our congregation some of these things, and we need resources. Well, we want to try to provide uh, good resources for this. Some other folks are working on things we're excited about too, but uh, we have some ideas in mind. So God willing, we will move forward beyond this film with more resources. And one of the great things is we have now hit our goal. We had a minimum goal of what we needed in order to make this film work. That has come in, and uh, it's great. We're going to be able to provide this film widely and and put it on DVD and Blu-ray, make it available to folks who would would, uh, benefit from it. And yet people continue to give, and we're grateful for that because this next project, the next projects are going to also require uh, money, to produce and to bring them to pass. So, man, thank you for that. We're grateful for it. So those of you that are standing with us, supporting us in this effort, um, just know that God has used you to be a great encouragement to help us go forward, to overcome obstacles that have been put in our way at multiple times, many times unanticipated obstacles, but we've been able to overcome those uh, through your prayer, through your gifts, through your standing with us. Well, today uh, we wanted to get into um, a recent statement that J.D. Greer made on his podcast when it comes to using pronouns in relationship to the whole transgender um, phenomenon. So what did they say? What's that? What did they say? They. (laughs) 
<laughs> you're you're an editor, so you're always getting on people about grammar. So this will be a um, interesting uh, interesting dialogue. Well, well let me just get this out of the way to begin with. Okay, gender is a literary term. All right, sex is the the biological metaphysical term, and so I'm still not over the fact that we have just uh, jettisoned the word sex and replaced it with the word gender. Is and gender I, gender is you think gender is a kind of a compromise into some things that are being advanced. Yeah, I mean, gender's linguistic, and, and sex is metaphysical. It's reality, and so I'm, I'm, I'm still not over that. I will accommodate. This came up in the Statement on Social Justice, right? It did, I don't yeah. think we've used gender in there. Do we, uh, we double not that way, yeah. You know, right. I mean, I, yeah, some things, this old curmudgeon's just not going to give up easily. <laughs> so, hey, no, I like it. I mean, I think we should use sex as well. It's just... Strange Nobody understands what you're talking exactly. about anymore. Exactly. Everybody thinks you're saying something weird. So, um, so Greer mentioned um, uh, that he, he kind of laid out his approach to this. I think he was he was thoughtful. He was aiming to be pastoral, especially as yeah. this was set up. And so, uh, we want to talk about oh, this issue of pronouns. Um, because of some of the stuff that's underneath of it. So we're not yeah. picking on J.D. Greer or no, anything that happened all. here. He's come out and clarified that he's um, he's along the lines of Andrew um, Walker, Andrew Walker, yeah. who's now at Southern Seminary. And uh, Rod Dreer actually responded to this a couple times now. He came out kind of really opposing it and saying this is bad and then wrote a second article that said, okay, I see he's, he, he still thinks he needs to be clearer, but Dreer says that he's, I see he's in line with Andrew Walker here. Well, I think what – JD's response to the question, and it's an important question. We've all got to face it eventually because this is the world we're living in. I mean, he he is demonstrating a real pastoral concern. He's wanting to be as careful as he can be for the sake of the gospel to to not unnecessarily give offense. And I, man, praise mm-hmm. God for that type of sensitivity. We got uh, the other end of the scale where people say, you know, I don't care what you think or how this lands on you. I'm just going to beat you over the head with what's true and you're just going to have to deal with it. Well, that's not right. Either so, I again let's applaud his efforts in trying to be careful and pastoral and strategic, but let's talk about what's underneath this. Right, this is um, the big picture here. I think is very important as we uh, assess where we're at as a culture, and then therefore what's Christian Christian faithfulness going to look like, and then getting down to the to the day-to-day stuff if you're engaging an individual, you know, a neighbor who is uh, mm-hmm. transgender. So the, it, it's, it certainly seems to me that there is a um, deconstruction going on in our society and that um, Christianity is under assault on uh, a number of fronts and the ideologies are being advanced and therefore terminology is being employed and those who see that kind of thing going on say, well, that the, the deconstruction that's happening is not going to be, one, it's not glorifying to Christ, and it's not good for people. Right. And so we need to understand what's going on there and people that are trying to advance certain ways of viewing the world. Uh, Dreer kind of brings this up in his article. I was very helped by uh, this paragraph in Dreer's first article. He says, so look... I understand the desire for a pastor to be gracious to people he's trying to evangelize and not to enter into conversations with them from an adversarial position. But the pronoun issue is not merely a matter of courtesy. It means something substantively. The use of language creates social realities. Read your Orwell. What we say and how we say it frames the way we perceive and interpret the world. Progressives understand this well. 
which is why they insist on preferred pronoun usage. By doing so, they are creating, quote, facts on the ground. When religious and cultural leaders concede this territory for the sake of being nice, they surrender more ground than they realize. They are laying down arms in the face of the ideological colonization of our collective moral imagination. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think that is a really important paragraph. Yeah. And so um, it makes sense that pastorally people are working out this tension. How do I, how do, I do this if, if my neighbor is transgender and I yeah. want to be kind, I want to be loving, you know, I'm not going to walk over there if he's a biological man and he claims that he's a woman, you're not going to walk over there and be like, you know, you're a man, you're not yeah. a woman. You're you dreaming. You, you don't do that kind yeah. of, you don't, you, you don't want to be adversarial. You don't want to be uh, antagonistic. You don't want to be an idiot. Um, but you do want to love in the truth. Right. And you want to do that with the neighbor while recognizing there is an agenda. I mean, there is a whole, uh, whole approach to life that's trying to create a worldview that's contrary to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to fight on both of those fronts. We have to use wisdom on both of those fronts. Yeah, and that's where, again, I appreciate what J.D. said, that Christians will disagree on this, and it's a fraternal type of uh, debate, and so we ought to keep it that way too. But we want to think as clearly and biblically as we can, and even as you and I have talked about this, you know, we've uncovered areas that are real points of tension and discussion because often the the challenge gets framed in a way that is not helpful and Mm -hmm. i I think jd in the interview uh, may have done this i wouldn't have framed it this way but i get it because existentially it's the way it feels are we going to be on the side of truth or are we going to be on the side of a a a generous spirit yeah he said uh truth telling versus uh, generosity of spirit generosity of spirit versus telling the truth well, we hear this all the time, truth and love. And, you know, I've, I mean, I've got friends that say, you know, well, I'm more of a love guy. You know, you're more of a truth guy. And it's almost like it gives us a little out. Well, we don't have that option as Christians because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love rejoices in truth. Mm-hmm. And so anything that you think is loving that downplays truth, doesn't rejoice in truth, which is reality, which is the way things actually are, the way God made them to be, and what God says that they are. It's not really loving. And then the truth is we're called upon to love God supremely and love people sincerely. We love others as we love ourselves. Well, you you can't say, oh, I'm a truther and not love. And, And so these guys that claim to rejoice in the truth while beating people over the head with things that are technically true, they're not honoring the truth because the truth tells us that we must be loving. We are to speak the truth or do the truth in love. And that's a, that's a tension. I mean, existentially at points you think, boy, you know, what's love look like here? What's truth telling look like here? And, and in this issue, the transgender debate and use of pronouns, um, I get it. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the next door neighbor, looking them in the eye, having a conversation versus that big philosophical underpinning that you've just described. We got to think on both fronts all the time at the same time. Yeah. On the, uh, the paradigm of truth telling versus generosity of spirit. One thing that uh, I've been meditating on at least this morning is there, there is a way to tell the truth that is unloving. So something can be true. I can say that it's true and I can be doing it with um, hate in my heart yeah. toward another brother. Yeah. So you can, you can certainly do that. Um, 
generosity of spirit. I don't know all that's meant by that term of exactly what it is we're being generous with, but if we just say basically it's the idea of of loving and seeking the welfare of mm-hmm. someone, well, you can't do that without truth. Right. So over right. here on the truth side, you can actually, you, yeah, I agree, you can, you can tell the truth and not be loving, but you can't love people if it's not in the truth, if yeah. it's not in conjunction with the truth, if you're not speaking the truth in cases that you would be speaking. So it's a, the, the way it's set up is wrong. Right. That's we, a, yeah, I agree. And we find ourselves in that position. Like, oh, what do I do? Do I tell the truth or do I be loving? But whenever we're feeling that, we need to recognize, okay, that's a false dichotomy. It's coming to me with a, an overwhelming sense that it's real, but it's not. And so we've got to come back to the scripture. We've got to fly by the instruments. And the Bible says that genuine love rejoices in truth. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to be truthful, then we're going to love. And so I've got to just recognize I'm in a broken world. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. And it feels this way because of sin in the world, not because truth is on one hand and love is on the other. We've right. got to have them both at the same time. Yeah. You know, another issue that uh, I think we ought to bring up, Jared, is First Corinthians 9. People use this. You know, Paul talks about becoming all things to all men in order that he might save some. And so he, you know, he goes through that litany before that of be a Jew to the Jews and you know, be as a Gentile to the Gentile and, you know, the uh, uh, week to week. And people will use that and say, well, I'm just, I'm accommodating them. You know, I'm accommodating their ignorance. I'm accommodating their uh, broken understanding of reality and themselves. And so I'm just going to enter into their world. For that purpose, Paul says, I do this that I might save some. Mm-hmm. I do this for the gospel's sake. And so, what I fear and what I see happening very often is people saying, I'm just going to be this way. I'm going to be like Jesus. And they have no goal of getting folks from where they are to Christ, mm-hmm. getting them from the falsehood and the lies that they've bought into to the truth that will set them free. And so, even especially pastorally, whenever we say, okay, as a matter of accommodation, you know, I'm not going to eat meat. As a matter of accommodation, I'm going to dress this way. It's always with a goal of getting Christ formed in people. It's never just to avoid conflict or to make people feel good or Mm -hmm. to resist temptations of confrontation. No, truth requires confrontation. Truth requires us to say, this is what the Lord says. And where you are living contrary, thinking contrary to that, he calls upon you to repent, to turn to his son, the Lord Jesus, who is truth incarnate in order that you might be set free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the becoming all things to all men that I might save some is very close to a a very helpful conversation I recently heard about the difference between sympathy and empathy. um, These these guys were talking about the the difference in the terminology. Sympathy is to suffer with. Right. Empathy is to suffer in. Mm-hmm. And so the, they were setting it up as if a person's drowning in a river, you know. Sympathy keeps one foot on the riverbank and comes and tries to, you're going you're to suffer with them, but you're going to try to get them out of the river. Um, empathy jumps in the river with them. And that's mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. It, it seems to be that is, um, some of that is is happening here when we think about the worldview that people are in. Yeah. Yes. Well, we we are we we can never honestly enter into that worldview. We we don't 
you're not going to go there and and claim that things that are objectively true are not true and and truly believe them right or even right. even um uh allow people to to claim that that kind of thing is true if it's you know people are in all kinds of messed up situations and thinking wrong things and we need wisdom to know which which one to bring forth which one is the most important truth but related to the issue of transgenderism we're dealing with anthropology we're we're dealing with something that is that is um, very significant about how one views himself Mm -hmm. how one views the world and i think we have to take into account those kinds of things as we're going to try to minister to people in those contexts. Yeah. We cannot give up reality. We can't pretend that reality is different than it is. Again, this goes to the heart of of what's behind our film. It's God's world Mm -hmm. and he gets to set the rules and he has set the rules. And so we are not free to take what God says is true, right, good, and real and pretend or act like they are different. And, and again, back to that 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22 passage, Paul says, I become all things to all men that I might save some. What's he talking about? Yeah, I'm going to accommodate your ignorance. I'm going to accommodate your lack of understanding. I'm going to accommodate your weakness so that I can get you to be strong, so that I can get you to be uh, have, have the knowledge of the truth that sets you free, so that I can get you to Christ. He said, I do it for the sake of the gospel. Uh, Spurgeon's got a little riff on that. He, he says, some people read that verse uh, like this, you know, I've become all things to all men that I might save a sum in order to, you know, be well-liked or make money or not have to confront people mm. with the truth. And as believers, we, we must never lose sight of the goal here. Yeah, we can accommodate where possible. We can't compromise what God says is true, right, good, or real. But where we lay aside things that we might otherwise say, and we don't bring to the forefront the things that we know to be true and right and good and real, but we do it for the purpose of serving the God who has defined for us what is true, right, good, and real. Yeah. God is truth. God is love. Uh, we can't divide those things. They're not divided in God. Right. And, uh, man, I, I'm reminded with the, with the debate on pronouns and how we're going to deal, deal with uh, transgender transgenderism, um, how important it is that right now we're we're paying close attention to truth and love mm. and how we're thinking about them. I had a conversation recently with a friend, and I believe it was in about the revoice issue, and he mentioned and I, I brought up to him, you know, I, I know what you mean, but think about what we're saying. This is what this is where we're going wrong here. He said, you know, when it comes to revoice, there is a uh, there is you can actually be too charitable, and mm. I said, I know what you mean. <laughs> But you can't you can't actually be too charitable. Right. There's no there's no such thing as being too charitable. Chari- charitable charity is love, and we're hearing a lot of talk about being uncharitable and could be more right. charitable. I'm thinking we need to go read Jonathan Edwards on this. You know, we need to charity and its fruits. We yeah. need to go back to um, what is charity, what is love, and so uh, whatever we we're starting to mean by it when we say it, whatever it is, we can be we can be too much of, um, I don't even know what that is. I'm not, my head's murky <laughs> on this, but I'm thinking this is, this is what we need to go back to. We yeah. need to understand what truth is. We need to understand what love is. Absolutely. We need to love people in the truth. Yeah. Because there are things that feel loving that are not loving at all. And there are things that are indeed loving that feel cruel 
And we can't let the world define these biblical realities that God himself's created, that God himself has revealed to us. We, we got to stick with what the Bible has to say. So, I mean, can you be too truthful? Well, no, you can't be too truthful. You can't be too loving. What we've got to do, though, is learn how truth and love operate together. They're not enemies. They're not antitheses, but they are both realities that God himself has revealed to us and that we need to live in accordance with. Now, what does that mean? That, mean, that doesn't mean you tell the truth, the whole truth, all the truth every time you open your mouth. Jesus said to his disciples, I have things to say to you, but you're not able to bear mm-hmm. them now. And so love says, okay, w- what is needed and what's the capacity of these people right now to receive it? And so you do the best you can to love them, to get them to the truth. Mm-hmm. And that might be 10% of it today and 20% of it next week, whatever. But you're moving toward reality. You're not truncating truth to say, well, 10% is all you need, and I'm just going to live here for the next 50 years. No, no. We, we Everything... It, it, it's God's world. God's one that's created it. And so we want to understand and submit to what he has revealed to us about it. And we want to help others to get right with this God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that will happen by truth and it will happen in love. Right. And anytime you're, you're trying to um, raise people up in the truth, you're sharing a truth with someone, um, you're, you're taking them somewhere that they hadn't been yet. You know, yep. and so that's always risky um, because they might discover something there that they don't like about the truth, or you know they might say, well, they might disagree with the truth that you're trying to share with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm not talking about things that are like even debated, but in our evangelism, right? There's all there's a host of truths that are coming to bear on a person right. when you're evangelizing him, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, one is there's there's a hell. It's real. <laughs> that's right. That's not a that's right. truth to come into grips with. Uh, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, he died on a cross. Yeah. You're a sinner. You've transgressed. There is a God. I mean, all of these things are coming to bear, and very often um, they're not going to like what's being said. Um, I that's To me, that's the same. We have very similar kind of things going on with transgenderism. What I do want to acknowledge is that uh, if a person is to the point of not living in accordance with reality that he is claiming to be the opposite sex of what he actually is. Um, that's a troubled person. Mm-hmm. And so sensitivity there is, is, is wise, but we need the sensitivity that's in the love that's saying, Hey, come, come out of that. Like, right. You know, like I love you, but we're not going to go there. Right. I'm not going to go there with you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to care for you. But, I'm doing that by saying, hey, you can't live in that world. You That's right. You can't set that up. So, yeah, boy, we need help. We do. And, and, and you know, there, there are ditches, man. There are big ditches on both sides of this. And on, on the one hand, uh, we want to be liked. And we don't want people to uh, oppose us, to persecute us. And so the temptation is to compromise the truth. We see that with Peter at Antioch. You know, he's eating fine with Gentiles till the guys from Jerusalem come down. And then he begins to compromise, and Paul has to confront him uh, strongly on this uh, to protect the truth. But on the other hand, you know, you you can be a guy that's so committed to the truth that you feel like, all right, uh, if I see people being persecuted for the truth's sake in the Bible, Stephen was stoned, Paul was stoned, beaten, um, ultimately beheaded for it, well then, man, 
let me just go out and be stoned. Let me go out and act in such a way that people stone me. And then they, they, they claim, look, we're being persecuted for truth's sake. When in reality, you're not being persecuted for truth's sake. You're being persecuted for being a jerk. You know, you're not. You, you, you have truth, but what's happening to you is not what happened to Paul, what happened to Stephen, for the reasons that it happened to them. So those ditches have to be avoided. We need to be committed to truth. We need to be committed to love. And we're going to need great wisdom to know how do these things move forward. But we never sacrifice one for the other. We never think, well, you know, I'm just going to be more of a truther than I am a lover or more of a lover than I am a truther. No, those are false dichotomies. And, and if Christians, if we can keep that much straight, it'll help us. Those are guardrails for us to keep us from falling into either of those two ditches, which are both deadly. Oh, amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Sword and Trial today. Uh, again, hey, be praying for our conference. Ask God that he would bless it and yeah. uh, help those who are going to be delivering God's word. There'd be a time where we are edified. And uh, Thank you to the FAM members. If you're not a part of the FAM, uh, check out our Founders Alliance membership at founders.org. We are so thankful to those who join us, who are working with us, laboring with us, supporting us in the work. Yeah. Thanks. Also, let me mention that today is Giving Tuesday. I know that's just another day on the calendar, but it is something that's been recognized and different corporations are doing things to uh, encourage uh, giving to uh, various ministries, charities, and such. And we, we are grateful for everybody that has supported us here at Founders. And if you have uh, means to do so, would you consider uh, taking advantage of the opportunity to contribute to Founders today on Giving Tuesday? And if you want more information about that, you can contact us. We'd be glad to talk to you about it.